Amen. What a powerful name indeed. So thrilled to be with y'all this morning. My name is John. I serve as one of the pastors here. And man, it has already been just an incredible morning um, as we've gotten to just worship together, as we got to celebrate um, baptism this morning to hear um, Hannah's story. And man, what a joy to see um, one of her small group leaders over in Connection Kids get to baptize her. Um, man, just what a special moment that was and just thankful for um, their family and um, just uh, continue to see God working in and through them. Um, and so this morning, um, we are going to be continuing in this series called um, Until Every Person Knows. Sorry, um, choked up there a little bit. Um, Until Every Person Knows. And we started this um, several weeks ago. And this is kind of the um, the vision of our church. And this is what we are called to. We believe that uh, we're not going to stop doing um, what uh, we are called to do until every person has heard the name of Jesus. And so we're going to continue to connect people to to God and to each other. We're going to continue to equip people in their faith. And ultimately, we want to send people out on mission to go and share Jesus with somebody else else. And so that's what we're all about here at Connection. Hopefully that's something that you're passionate about um, as well, because we need you. This is a big vision. Um, This is not going to be accomplished through one person, but it's going to be accomplished through all of us, the body of Christ, doing what God has called each one of us um, to do. Uh, We've been going over the past, actually several months, going through the book of Acts. And so we're going to be continuing in the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 17. So you can go ahead and turn there if you have your Bible. If you don't, I encourage you to bring your Bible. I can ensure you that every week this will be something that we use. We refer to it often. Um, So bring your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, you don't have God's word, we'd love to give you a Bible. You can stop off at that table in the atrium. We would love to give you a copy of God's word. Um, It will be up on the screens as well for you to reference that um, as well. Um, Now the book of Acts, um, this is basically... Um, the, um, this is what's happening after the gospel. So Jesus has already um, risen. And so this is kind of the, the story of how the church began to spread, how um, the gospel began to, to kind of make its way um, and, and seeing these disciples being used um, by God. And so we get to kind of look at this um, today and be able to see what are the things that we can learn from this? How can we as believers learn from what the disciples were doing? Why did the church spread like it did? How can we um, begin to apply those same principles here today? And so that's what we've really been kind of digging in and really trying to grow in is, is our understanding of, of what did the early church look like? How can we um, be very similar to that and reach our own communities in the same way that they did? And so in chapter 17, um, this is where we see Paul and some of um, his different companions. Again, Paul didn't do this on his own. We see um, a lot of times he gets the credit for a lot of this, but he wasn't alone when he went and shared the gospel with people. He had a group of people with him that um, were also sharing. Just a lot of times he might've been the one, um, kind of the main one speaking, but there was a group of them that were um, kind of together and doing this. And this is where we get to see them go to three different um, cities. Um, and what I want us to really get from today is to see the intentionality that Paul and the others had with the people that they were in contact with. They, they were very specific in how they approached each person, how they shared the gospel. It looked a little bit different depending on who they were in contact with. And so that type of intentionality is very, very important. I think that that's something that we can take and we can apply um, in our own lives. And so really what I want us to get today is to think about this for ourselves is that if we were in a situation where we were in contact with people that maybe believe something a little bit different from us, or maybe they um, just view things a little bit different for us. Maybe they, they knew of Jesus, but maybe they just, they came to a different conclusion. We were 
kind of in contact with that person, what would we say to them? What would we say to somebody that was different from us, that had a different belief from us? How would we relate to them? How would we approach them to be able to share the gospel with them? How would we be able to get on the same kind of common ground so we had an opportunity to be able to share with them? That's what we're gonna see in this passage is what that looks like. See, here's the thing is that we pick up on this when we think about um, missionaries. You know, when missionaries go out, especially when they go overseas, one of the things they have to do is they have to go through culture training where they they have to learn the other culture. They wanna understand why do the people believe the things that they believe? Why do they do the things that they do? They need to be able to understand that before they have one conversation with somebody about Jesus, they wanna ensure, do we understand this culture? Do we understand kind of how it works, how it functions? You know, I wanna make sure that we um, kind of do the right things and approach people and talk to people in the right way. It's very important for them to do that. And oftentimes those missionaries, they become more familiar with that culture than even the culture that they came from. Because many of us, we live in this culture, but how many of us do we really understand why do people do the things that they do? Why do they believe the things that they do? Have we spent time really thinking about that? Because Paul and the others, they really understood where people were coming from. And I believe that's what we're gonna look at and that's what we're gonna see today. It's just how important intentionality and method can be and how, and how successful we can be when we evangelize and we share with others. As, as JC was saying earlier, that evangelism, that's one of our, um, our cultures here as a church. It's something that we feel like this should be true of us. Each one of us should be sharing our faith. And so this is definitely something we need to, to, to learn in and to grow in because I wanna be as effective as I can in sharing the gospel. And so I really want to, to look at how can we be very intentional with that. And I will say this, um, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians. He said that my message and my preaching we're not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. What I wanna encourage you here today is look, we see Paul had a method. He was very intentional with things, but at the end of the day, it was only through the power of the Holy Spirit that people come to know Jesus, right? It's not because we can say it a perfect way or that we have this perfect formula to be able to give to them. It's only by the Holy Spirit that people are gonna come to know Jesus. But here's what I believe, I believe that God can use us and we can be more effective if we learn from what some of these disciples did and how they related to other people. And so that's, what, that's, the, that's the hope. That's, what, that's kind of the, the foreshadow of this chapter. Um, I wanna pray for us before we begin. I think that's um, probably a good place to start. And then we will try our best to kind of get through this whole chapter um, of Acts chapter 17. So let's pray. Father, we just love you, God, and we're thankful for this morning, God, thankful for the opportunity um, just to gather and God, to sing praises to you, God. What a joy it is to sing to you, God. I never want that to be something that we just take for granted, something that we just go through the motions in, but God, to lift up your name because you have died for us, God. You made a way for us to have a relationship with the creator of the universe, of the heavens and the earth. God, what a joy it is to be able to sing to you, God. I pray as we look at your word and we dive into this passage that God, we grow in our relationship with you. God, we're challenged and we're, that you show us what are the areas that we need to grow in? What are the areas that we need to be challenged in? How can we become more effective in our ability to share the gospel with others? Maybe others that think differently from us, that look differently from us, that believe different things from us. So Father, we just love you. And we thank you again for this opportunity to be together. Lift all this up in your son's name. Amen. 
All right, Acts chapter 17, starting in verse one. This is Paul in Thessalonica. Thessalonica, this is where, when you think about the books in the Bible of first and second Thessalonians, this is that community that Paul was um, was writing back to. So this is his first visit with them before he kind of even wrote um, those books. And this is him taking the gospel to them for the very first time. This is a um, a predominantly Jewish community. And so these are the people that he's coming in contact with. And so um, here's what it says. It says, when Paul and his companions had passed through two places that are really hard to pronounce. Um, They came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and providing, uh, excuse me, improving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. All right, something I wanna pull out in this, this section that I think is really, really important here is we see in verse two where it says that he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Here's what Paul knew. Paul knew this is a Jewish community. He knew that for them, the scriptures were authority for them. And so if he, if he reasoned with them from the scriptures, they were gonna buy into that. They were gonna trust that because that was already their faith to begin with. And so Paul knew if I'm going to relate to them, if I'm going to begin to be able to share the gospel with them and they're gonna be able to understand that, I need to start with the scriptures because they already have that foundation, right? He needed to prove to them that Jesus was who he said he was, that everything that was foreshadowed in the Old Testament, that this is... This is that Jesus, this is that Messiah that needed to come and to suffer and to die on our behalf. And so he knew that was his open door with them. He knew that was the point that he could be able to relate with them to be able to share the gospel with him. The other thing I see is that when he says that he reasoned with them from the scriptures, I remember years ago, as I was kind of reading through um, Acts, I was just going through the whole book. Um, There's different spots where I'd underline things and kind of wrote things in the margins. And I remember I just wrote the words, commit to memory. And that was just kind of a mental note of how important it is to know the scriptures up here. Because if we're gonna be in, in situations with people and we need to be able to reason with them with scriptures, the thing we have to know is the scriptures, right? We've gotta be able to refer to them and, and, and look at them and be able to, as we're talking to people, to be able to, if we wanna kind of prove our case and kind of prove what, that we, that what we believe is true, that we need to be able to refer back to that. I encourage you, and this is something that I'm not, really strong in. It's something I'm continuing to try and grow to grow in, but I know I'm going to be more effective in being able to share my faith with others if I know God's word and it's, 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 it's in my heart and I can pull from it at any moment. Paul, because he grew up in the Jewish faith, he had a very strong understanding of the scriptures. And so this gave him an incredible ability to be able to share with other people. So I encourage us when we're sitting down with people, again, it's important verse or refer back to scripture, um, especially with people that have that type of background. Maybe they grew up in church. That's gonna mean something a little bit more to them. All right, continuing on in verse five, it says, but other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city. When I first read that scripture, I almost laughed because I'm like, it actually says bad characters. Like, I think that's almost kind of funny. Like, I I wish I knew some people in my life that were just bad characters that like when I was frustrated about something, I could just say, come on guys, let's go just cause a ruckus, right? Like I just, it would be cool to just kind of know some bad characters. Maybe y'all know some bad characters. Maybe you're a bad character. I don't really know. 
Um, it, I'm glad that you're here. You're welcome here, right? We love you. But like, it's just kind of funny that they, that they say that. In other trans- translations, it actually refers to them as, as wicked people. So like, in reality, this is probably not a good group of people, right? But what, what it shows us here is that they were not liking what Paul and the others were sharing, right? They were kind of frustrated with it. And so they're like, look, here's what we're gonna do. We're just going to cause a riot to disrupt what you're trying to do here, right? Because we don't like what's going on. And so we're literally going to start a riot in the whole city. It was incredible to see how against they were of the gospel message. They just, they didn't want to accept it. And it was just, just really interesting to think about the fact that, that this was what was going on and they um, really didn't like what he was saying that much. So it continues on, it says, they rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying um, define Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil and they made Jason and the others postpone and let them go. When I think about this and I think about that, especially when I think back to last week when Joey was sharing and, and talking about when Paul was in prison and he had been beaten and, and all these things, is, it didn't really seem like it was going Paul's way, right? It didn't really seem like things were, were great. And you look at this situation and granted in the beginning of chapter 17, we see that some believe, right? And was, they were, had some response to the gospel, but just it's not really going to plan. They're getting ready to be thrown out of this city. And one of the things that I realized here is that Paul had, had to make a decision. He had to decide, am I, am I gonna continue to push forward? Am I, am I in this? Because I'm getting pushback. I might not be able to stay here for long. He had to make a decision. Am I going to continue to push forward? Many of us, sometimes we have to make that decision because sometimes when we're sharing our faith or we're trying to, to relate to other people, it doesn't always go to plan. Sometimes they don't respond well. We have to make a decision. Are we committed to this? Are we gonna continue pushing forward because sometimes we're gonna have pushback. Sometimes it's not gonna go the way that we think we would like for it to go. And now we're getting ready to move into a different city. And it says in verse 10, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greeks and women and many Greek men. I think it's really, again, it's kind of funny that what they say here says, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those of Thessalonica. And it almost kind of sounds like they're saying that kind of in a um, kind of a uppity type way of like, we're not like those people over in Thessalonica. <laughs> Don't like those people, right? Like it's, it's almost like that's what they're kind of saying there, but basically they, they're responding better to this, right? They're receiving the gospel more eagerly. But here's what I want us to pull out in this section, right? It's very, very important for us to, to look at this. And here's what's interesting. Usually through the book of Acts, we are kind of looking at the disciples. We're looking at the people taking the, the gospel to the ends and we're saying, how can we learn from them? How can we be like them? How can we do that same thing in our own life? I want us to look at the people that, these disciples that Paul is speaking to and look at their reaction. Cause here's what it says. It says that they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. 
How cool is that? Is they said, look, Paul, we've, we've heard about you, right? It seems like you're doing a good work. And we're honestly, we're pretty excited with what you just shared, right? If what you just shared, this whole Jesus thing is true, that's incredible. Like we're blown away by that. By that. But here's the thing, Paul, all right? You're just a man. And, and we, we wanna believe this, but here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look back at the scriptures and we're gonna see if what you are saying is actually true. We're not just gonna take your word for it. Man, that's huge. That's my encouragement for each one of you is that today, I don't want you just to believe the things that we're talking about because I'm telling you them. Hopefully what I'm sharing today is true. Hopefully I'm, I'm trying my best to, to interpret this and to, to encourage y'all, but I could miss things, right? I'm not perfect in this. And we're, we're gonna go pretty fast through this chapter. We're not gonna be able to cover everything. So I encourage you to go back and read Acts 17 and say, let's see if what John was talking about is true. Let's see if what he pulled out of this, do I agree with that? Do I not agree with that? Do I see something different? Here's what I would encourage y'all to do. Back about a year and a half ago, um, we came up with this um, little DIY booklet. Many of y'all are kind of familiar with this or you have one of these. If you don't have one of these and they're over in the middle of the atrium, and all it is, is it's a way to basically take your studying of scripture into your own hands, not to be dependent on somebody else. And it breaks it up into three different um, kind of areas. The first is if you're listening to a message like this, or maybe you're listening to a podcast, or you're just reading your Bible on your own, is how do you take notes? It just kind of gives you a format to be able to, to take notes, to, to listen to God, kind of see what he's maybe speaking to you, maybe what he wants to speak through you through this particular passage. And then it moves on and it says, okay, after you do that, go back and kind of examine it for yourself, right? To go back and sit down and look at the scripture, ask yourself some questions that maybe help you dig in a little bit deeper. And then ultimately when you do that, when you maybe journal some things, come up with some thoughts, here's an opportunity for you then to get with a group of people. That, that's the third section, sit with a group of people who each have been doing the same thing. Y'all have all been looking at it and now discuss it with one another, compare notes, compare, hey, what did you get out of this? What did God speak to you in this? And maybe you recognize there's some different things or maybe there's some things that you both kind of saw the same thing. It kind of gave you the confirmation that maybe what we're seeing is true, but it begins to put your faith into your own hands. So you're not dependent on a, a small group leader to kind of walk you through everything or a pastor to walk you through everything. And so in, in the middle of the atrium, there's these cars that you could pick up each and every week to take notes on. I encourage you, take notes. I encourage you, bring your Bible, take what you hear on Sundays and go back and study it on your own. Be just like the Bereans here and say, hey, I love what you're saying. Let me go back and check it for myself because I, I wanna see what I get out of this. Man, what, how incredible would it be if each one of us, every single week we did that. And then we got together with others and we compared notes and we said, man, what did you get out of this? Here, here's what I got. And we can begin to grow with one another and it doesn't become where we just come here week in and week out and, and that's it. Like I encourage you, dig in. Dig in and see what it is that the Lord has for you. Verse 13, but when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went, um, went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring, the up, stirring them up. Here are these bad characters coming back in again, getting ready to mess things up. And it says, the believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. One of the things I see here is there's this continued pattern of, of them sharing the gospel and kind of getting run off pretty quickly. 
And here's what I realized is that so many of us, we don't know how much time we're gonna have with other people to be able to share our faith. We realize oftentimes on Sunday mornings, Sunday might be the last opportunity somebody's giving God. They're saying, you know what? I'm gonna give God one more chance. And we recognize that and we think about that. And that's why it's so important for us to ensure that every single Sunday you hear the good news of Jesus, that, you, that we present the gospel to, to people each and every Sunday, because this might be the last chance somebody has with people. Paul recognized, I'm gonna only have so much time. So I wanna be as intentional as I can with the time that I have. Your relationships that you have with other people, the ones that you work with, the ones that you live next to, you don't know how long those relationships are gonna be there. And so how are we using that time wisely to be able to share our faith and be very intentional with that time? Now it brings us up to this third city that Paul gets to, and this is in Athens. And so in verse 16, this is what it says. It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Now, I know for many of you, this is a tough scripture for you to read. This might be a convicting scripture because you realize that your bulldogs, they're in a city of idols. And maybe that's tough for you. You're, you're hurt by that. You're like, what does this mean about my faith? What does this mean about my journey? I can't believe that the city I love is a city of idols. And I'm sorry, it's just, it's true. I, I'm just reading God's word, okay? I'm reading that Athens is a city of idols. And so I'm, I'm sorry about that, but we're gonna work through this, right? That's why I believe that, you know, I'm a, 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 a true blue eagle because scripture also says that it's on eagle's wings that we'll soar, right? That's a good scripture to hold on to, right? Go eagles, right? Now, of course, we are talking about Athens, Greece, not Athens, Georgia. It might still be true about Athens, Georgia, but nevertheless, that's something every time I come across that scripture, every time I come across somebody that um, is a Bulldogs fan, I love to share that scripture because it just annoys them. And I think that's funny. Um, I, I had a, when I was in college, um, a good friend of mine, it was my freshman year in college, um, he ended up being my small group leader. And I used to always wear a Georgia hat all throughout high school. I had this favorite Georgia hat and I, kind of wore it in college as well, which is interesting because I didn't get accepted to Georgia. So you would think that I would have stopped wearing the hat. Um, I thought that was a little rude. They didn't accept me. Apparently they like good grades. <laughs> it's weird. Um, so anyways, whenever I got there, he kind of looked at that hat and he said, hey, you might want to check your heart and, um, and read Acts 17, 16. And I go and read it. And I'm like, ha, 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 really funny. And now for about 20 years now, I share that every single time I come in contact with people. And so um, I guess he kind of won in that scenario. Um, anyways, that has nothing to do with anything other than I just wanted to share that story and um, thought that he would be proud of me for carrying on his legacy in discouraging Bulldog fans. Anyways, here we go. So Athens, this is the same Athens that we think about when we think about kind of the Greek gods. This is, um, this community is kind of like a, a Harvard, Oxford, Yale, kind of all kind, combined together. This is a very um, uh, educated community, deep, deep thinkers. Um, and so um, not, definitely not a Jewish community. And there were Jews there, but this was not a predominantly Jewish community. And so um, interesting um, group of people that um, they're coming in contact with. And so Paul's approach with this group of people looks a little bit different. And so this was a city full of idols. There was a, a kind of a saying during that day that says it was easier to find a God in Athens than to find a person in Athens. I mean, there was literally structures everywhere that they were, were worshiping and, 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 and praising. And so this is the group of people that Paul and the others are interacting with. Here's what it says. It says, so he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greece. So again, there were Jewish people there and he still started with the scriptures with them as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. 
a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate him. Now, Epicureans, those are people that basically they just lived for pleasure. They said, look, you um, kind of what we do here on earth doesn't really matter. The, the gods don't really care about that. And so we're just going to live it up. Um, it's kind of uh, just live for yourself um, and enjoy every, every bit of, of the world. That's kind of their, their thoughts. Um, Stoics were kind of more... Um, they believed God was kind of in everything, kind of more, maybe kind of similar um, beliefs as kind of maybe modern day Hindus. Like they just, they had a God for everything. They, um, they didn't really want to be um, conflicted by, by pain or by pleasure. They kind of just kind of wanted to, to not let anything affect them. Kind of think about um, Spock from Star Trek. He would, he would kind of be like a stoic, right? Just kind of, um, you're just kind of, uh, not affected by, by a whole lot of things. So they, this is the group of people that he's interacting with there. It says, some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Now, babbler at this time, this is probably a derogatory term. What it kind of translates as is a, a chicken pecking at seeds and then spitting them back up again. What they were saying of Paul is, is they're saying, Paul, you're just kind of one of those people that you hear other ideas from other people and then you kind of regurgitate them as your own to basically sound good. That's kind of what their, their view initially was of Paul is they're like, we just feel like you're just kind of regurgitating what other people have said and trying to make it your own, trying to sound good. So initially they didn't probably have the best view of Paul by calling him a babbler. Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. Right, this is because he's talking about Jesus. This is something that was new to them. They didn't understand this. They didn't know about this. So this was foreign to them. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. One of the things that we see Paul do time and time again is he, his end goal was always to get to Jesus and the resurrection because that was the game changer. The resurrection was the game changer. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All of the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So there was an element of what Paul was saying was intriguing to them. They, they were willing to consider it because they're like, this is, this is interesting. They enjoyed talking about new ideas. The, the Areopagus, this was basically like a, a court that was outside that you could present new ideas and, and there would be a large group discussion and they would ultimately make decisions on this. And so this is where, where Paul's at. He's in this community where they're constantly bringing different ideas. And so there's gonna be tons of people with tons of different backgrounds, tons of different beliefs. And look at what Paul does when he decides to, to stand up. It, it starts off in verse 22 and says that Paul stood up. Here's what we see with Paul. Paul had to, again, he made the decision, I'm gonna stick with this. And now he's acting on that decision. He said, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walk around and look carefully at the, uh, your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. So Paul looks at them and he says this, this line of, I see you're very religious. And we don't really know, is Paul insulting them? Is he complimenting them? Like we don't, because it's, he could look at them and say, you're very religious. Maybe he's saying you're really spiritual. I see that you've, you've got a lot of different beliefs. Or maybe he's saying you're, you're pretty superstitious and maybe that wouldn't be exactly a good thing. He might be saying both kind of at the same time, but he's, he's looking at them. And this is his first point of trying to find some common ground with them. He's saying, look, I see this in you. I'm acknowledging this in you, but here's the reality of what you're doing. I went around your city and I found an idol that says to an unknown God. So they had all of these different gods that they worshiped, that they, that they sought, but they were like, just in case we've missed one, 
we're gonna create this unknown one. We're just gonna kind of cover our bases. He's gonna be our just in case God because they're like, we aren't quite certain that we've got it all right. We aren't quite certain that we have it figured out. And he goes, look, you're saying you're worshiping something that you don't even know what it is. And here's what I want you to do. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna to explain to you what that is. That doubt that you had, that unknown that you have, that's my starting point. So Paul knew what their question was. He knew what they were searching for. And he said, look, that's gonna be my common ground with them. At this point, he hasn't said anything about the scriptures. He just said, look, I'm acknowledging where your questions are, where your doubts are. And I'm gonna begin there to begin to share with you. And so he found common ground with them to be able to relate to them and understand why they thought the way that they did. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times and histories and boundaries of the land. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. He's looking at them and he's saying, does it make sense that the creator of the heavens and earth who created everything could, does it make sense that he could be contained in a temple or that we would need to put food out for them. He's looking at their view of God and he's saying, your view of God is far too small. The God I'm talking about is so much bigger than these different idols that y'all are putting so much faith and, and trust in. And I'm wanting you to expand your horizon. I'm wanting you to think about God from a different way. Your view of God is far too small. So often these People in Athens, they, the reason they sought these other gods is they sought them to, to get something from them, right? You had a God of, of, of money and the God of love and the God of, um, of power and just all these different gods. But the reason they were seeking the, these gods is to try to get something from them. If they wanted wealth, if they wanted health, if they wanted love, that they were seeking each one of these gods to try to get something from them. And what Paul was pointing out there is he's saying, look, the reason we pursue God, God is our reward, the reward that we have for seeking God is not to try to get something from him. What we get from him is relationship with him. That is the reward. And here's what God did. God wanted, wants us to know him. And he's trying to get these group of people to understand God wants to know you. He wants to have that personal relationship with you. God is not somebody that's so far removed that you can't feel like you're connected with him. He wants to be able to relate to them and get them to understand that God desires relationship with them. In verse 28, it says, for in him we live and move and have our being. And then it says, we are his offspring. If you'll notice, there's, there's quotations by those. And that's because Paul is quoting from their own literature. That first thing, for in him we live and move and have our being was um, a, a hymn written to Zeus, um, written probably about 500 BC. The second one was um, something from around 300 BC that was from one of their Stoic um, uh, poets. And so here's what Paul knew. Paul understood their culture. Paul wasn't just familiar with the scriptures. Paul was familiar with what they engaged in, with their literature, the things that they looked at. 
And so very important for us, if, if we're gonna understand our culture, we've gotta do the same thing. Sometimes we have to familiarize ourselves with what other people are looking at. And so Paul knew this. And so this, this had weight when he said this. Look at what it says in verse 29. It says, therefore, since we are God's offspring, he just said we are his offspring. So he said, therefore, in light of what you already believe, because your poets, your literature has already proclaimed them. He said, again, another point of agreement there. He said, I'm gonna start with what you already believe. In light of this, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone. God is so much bigger than that. An image made by humans, design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. Now he's presenting the gospel to them. But now he commands for all people everywhere to repent. For he has a set day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof to this to everyone by raising him from the dead. What we see here is that he's showing them that God didn't leave us and leave you and leave these people to just live in our sin. He made a way for us. He made a way out for us. And so again, he's trying to relate to them and, and, and say, you've been searching for all of these things. You've been searching for God in all these different places, but here he's coming to relate to you and he's coming to die for you. And he's coming to make a way for you to have this right relationship with God. It says, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want you to hear, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council and some of the people became followers and Paul, of Paul and believed. Among them was um, Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. It's important for us to look at there is that as he shared this with them, he shared this good news and he, he gave the answer to this unknown God, this thing that they had been questioning for so long. Some people's response was they sneered at them. They said, that's, that's dumb. We don't want anything to do with that. We don't think you're right in that. Others said, you know what? That's interesting. I kind of want to know some more about that. I, I kind of want to ask some more questions about that. And others believed. When we sit down with people and we share our faith and we share the gospel, we're probably going to expect those three same scenarios to happen. Some people are going to look at this and say, that's dumb. You don't know what you're talking about. Sometimes people are going to go, that, that's interesting. I, I'm not quite there yet, but can we keep on talking about this? I've got, I've got some more questions. And others, they're, they're gonna believe. Again, the thing is, are we gonna stay committed to sharing the gospel regardless of what result happens? Because again, the results aren't up to us, right? We're just called to be obedient, to share the gospel. Paul, he recognized this. I'm just here to share the gospel with people. Some are gonna respond, some aren't gonna respond, but I wanna do my best to relate to them as best as I can. I wanna understand where they're coming from and, and why they believe the things that they do. And so when we look at Acts chapter 17, we see all these different scenarios. We see when he's interacting with Jewish people, he's gonna start with the scriptures and he's gonna use that as his starting point to relate with people. When he's interacting with people that maybe think differently than him and look differently than him. He's gonna to try to find another piece of common ground with them. He's gonna use the things they're already familiar with, use the things that are important to them and say, hey, let's find a common ground here. We might not believe everything the same, but there's probably some things that we have agreement on. And he recognized that that's going to have a dramatic impact in his ability to be able to share the gospel with other people. 
And so as I was thinking about this message and I was trying to, um, yesterday I was kind of working out my thoughts with all of this. I was um, struggling to kind of pull it all together. I'm like, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in here and there's so many things that we weren't able to pull in here. So again, so important, go back and read this. See, there's so much more in here. I promise there's so much more. I just, I only have so much time. But I was talking to a really good friend of mine and I was just sharing with him that I was like, I just, I'm trying to get, how do I help us understand? How do I help my, my, myself understand this of, of why is it important for us to be intentional with the way that we approach other people, with the way that we relate to other people? And because I believe that there's, it, it changes the effectiveness that we can have with others. And as I was sharing and I was talking about this, I just, I was like, I feel like that's the, the overall theme. And I just, I can't figure out how to necessarily express it. And, and he shared with me, he said, it kind of reminds me of something that I'm learning um, in my job right now. He doesn't um, work in a church. He has a, a secular job, but he said that we're learning something as um, employees. And it's a, it's a method called the OODA loop. Anybody heard about this before? OODA loop? Right, this is new to me. Um, the OODA loop uh, was created by a colonel in the military. Um, this colonel was kind of um, over um, fighter pilots. And what this was, is was a method for fighter pilots to be as effective as possible, right? If you're um, out in combat, a lot of times you don't have a lot of time to make decisions. And so this colonel, he said, I want to be as effective as we can as making decisions. I wanna make sure that, um, because this is life or death, right? This is, um, we don't wanna make poor decisions. We wanna be able to, to look at scenarios and figure out how do we do our best to engage in this particular situation. Now I realized, for us as believers, it's life and death, isn't it? Right, so what we do matters, right? We wanna be very specific with the things that we do. And here's what this stands for. Um, it's, it's an acronym for observe, orient, decide, and act. O-O-D-A. Here's what it means. It means when you start off with observe, what, what this colonel is wanting these fighter pilots to do is to, you need to look at your surroundings. You need to look at everything that's going on. You need to familiarize yourself with it because you need to understand what is it that's going on right here. For us as believers, we need to observe our surroundings a little bit. We need to look at the culture around us and say, what's going on here? Right? What are the beliefs that people are having? What are the, the things that um, I'm going to be running um, in contact with when I engage with other people? I need to understand What's happening with missionaries when they go into the other culture, they, right, they wanna observe what's going on. They wanna be very familiar with those things so that when they begin to engage, they kind of know the surroundings a little bit. They know what's going on. Orient, it means to, to kind of position ourselves in a, way, in a way that we're able to engage. For this fighter pilot, right, the, the position that they have is they're going to attack a certain thing. Where they're coming from matters, right? You would say probably a lot of military people, they, they know there's a, um, there's, a, there's a method to how you approach something, how you attack something. Oftentimes the way that we're oriented for us as, as Christians, it might be our physical location. Sometimes we have to put ourselves in situations that give us opportunities to be able to share our faith. If we don't have any opportunities to be around unbelievers, we're probably not gonna have the opportunities to be able to share our faith. Our position matters. The other way that we can orient ourselves is through our education. And what I mean by education is, is I mean this, is I mean, are we growing in our ability to be able to share the gospel? Are we growing in our understanding of the scriptures so we can reason from the scriptures? Are we doing our due, due diligence? Are we positioning ourselves to be able to be as effective as possible when we interact with people. So when somebody asks us a question, we can actually respond to it. We can actually engage with it. We're positioning ourselves in a way that we 
can engage with somebody. Sometimes it's just orienting ourselves by building a relationship with somebody. We're beginning to build that foundation. So we're in a position that when that day comes, when that person kind of creaks that door open of they kind of want to talk about kind of the God thing, your position and you already have that relationship with them. So they're going to trust what, they, what you say because you already have a relationship with them. The D stands for decide. At some point, we can observe, we can position ourselves, we can orient ourselves all day long, but ultimately we have to make a decision. Are we gonna stick with this? Because there's gonna be times that some bad characters come in and they try to throw everything off course and we have to decide, are we committed to this or not? Are we gonna be, stay intentional with this even if we get pushback? Even if people don't agree with what we're saying? Because if we're not set on that decision, if we're not firm in that decision, then we're going to back out the second it gets difficult. The second I get a little push at, push back, the second things are uncomfortable, the second I get asked a question that I don't know the answer to, and all of a sudden I don't think that I'm capable anymore. And I said, you know what? I'll just leave it to somebody else. We haven't made a decision firm in the fact that, wait, until every person knows the gospel, I'm not going to give up. I'm not stopping that we are so committed to that decision. And then finally, that we have to act on it. We can make a decision and say, hey, I'm gonna commit to this, but we still gotta act. We've gotta move forward on that decision and actually follow through with that. At some point when we get asked the question in small group, and are we just gonna sit there and be silent? Are we actually gonna speak up? Are we gonna act? When we're with the people out in this community, at some point we've gotta open our mouths and share about what God's been doing in our lives. And so, I look at that example and I see that, I'm not saying there's some perfect formula to us sharing our faith, but you can see that this method that fighter pilots use to be able to observe a situation and figure out how can we be as effective as possible in here and recognizing the implications that when I pull that trigger, there's no going back. And I've gotta be committed to this. For us as Christians, we've gotta recognize that, are we gonna engage in this? Are we gonna be very intentional with everything we do because the way we relate to others matters. The way that we go about things matter. So the Christian that's, your, that's in here today, maybe you're a Christian, maybe you, you've already put your faith and hope in Jesus. What, what's your challenge today? What's the thing that you need to be encouraged by today? The thing that will encourage you is study, dig in, begin to orient yourself in a position so that you're going to be prepared to be able to share with somebody else. As I was preparing for this message, I heard a, a, um, a pastor say this. He said, you know, I, um, I don't know um, sign language. It it's, kind of seems like a pretty difficult thing to learn. Um, it would be cool to know it, but I just, there's nobody in my immediate family that knows this. And so there's not really been any urgency for me to, to learn this. He said, but I'll tell you, I would tell you this, is that if my daughter was deaf, I would learn sign language like that, right? There'd be no question because this would be the way that I would communicate with my daughter. Right? And so it wouldn't matter of how tough it was, I would do whatever I needed to be able to do this. And I'm like, man, what a perfect example is that us being able to engage with other people, to relate to other people, sometimes it can be difficult. Sometimes we've got to study. Sometimes we've got to put the work in, right? But like, how important is that? How important is other people coming to know Jesus to us? Because if we say that's important, and as believers, we would say that's important because that's the commission that Jesus has given us, then we've got to put in that work. We've got to do our due diligence to learn other people that are different from us, to understand why do they believe the things that they do, to begin to find common grounds with people that are different from us, that look different, that are, have a different color of skin, that have different socioeconomic status, that 
or a different political party, whatever it might be. A lot of times we think that we're much more different than we really are, but those differences so often get highlighted that we forget to see the, the parts that we are in agreement with. Even atheists, truth is important to atheists, right? Because they wanna know what's true. The reason they don't believe is because they don't believe it's true. And they're like, I, I wanna believe in something that's true. People that don't know Jesus sometimes are some of the most compassionate people that you can come across. People that love the least of these. That's a point of, of common ground that you could have with somebody to say, look, I can see your compassion you have for other people. I mean, that's what, that's what Jesus believed too. Let's talk about that. Open up with those points of similarities. And I believe we can begin to have a great impact on others. A lot of times before we even able to share Jesus with other people, we need to look at their life and, and ask them, man, is what you're doing working? When Paul was looking at these people in, in Athens, he's looking at them putting all their belief in all these other things. And he's saying, is it working for you? Are you getting results out of this? And he begins to ask them the, these, these questions because he knows that Jesus is the answer. So often when we hear about people that come to know Jesus, they said, for so long, I was searching for God in all the wrong places, right? I was looking for it in, in money or in, um, in alcohol or in um, just worldly things, or maybe it's just work or, or whatever it might be. They're searching for all these other things. So often we are searching for God and we're trying to find him in, in other places that he's, he's not. And so... For the non-Christian in here, maybe you're, you haven't made a decision for Jesus. You don't know Jesus. And I'd ask you, is it, is it working? Is what you're trying working? Is what you are trying to find worth in working? Or maybe, are you willing to give Jesus a shot? Because here, here's the reality. God wants to be known. We see this in this passage. God wants to know you. And he's invited you to be able to call him Father. And maybe your earthly father hasn't been a great example, but God wants to restore that relationship. And he's extended forgiveness to you, not because of what you do, not because of what you can try to get from him, but because he loves you that much that you didn't have to do anything, that he sent his son to die for you. And that's how he has made himself known is through Jesus. And that even if these skeptical Athenians we're able to become followers of Jesus that maybe, just maybe you in here today that also maybe is skeptical of this whole God thing. Maybe you might be able to say, I, maybe I wanna know Jesus. Maybe I wanna try that out. Or maybe you're just going, that sounds interesting. I wanna know some more about that. And I would love to encourage you to have those, relations, those, those conversations with other people. Maybe you know somebody, maybe you're sitting next to somebody. Maybe they brought you here today. Maybe it's like Olivia Nicole's story where, Olivia's looking at Nicole and say, I just want what you have. Tell me more about that. And the opportunity that Nicole had was to act and to say, let me, let me share that with you. So maybe you need to have a conversation with someone. Maybe you need to talk to somebody today. We'll have some people um, over at these doors, um, part of our prayer team. You just want to follow up with them and say, hey, I've got some questions. I want to know some more. I'm, I'm ready to maybe give this Jesus thing a try. Um, Here's where I wanna leave you. Um, here's where I wanna encourage you. I know we're um, about a minute over, but I wanna leave this um, with you because this was encouraging to me. Um, and, and we don't really do um, benedictions here often. I didn't really go up in a church that, that did that. Um, 
Um, but um, I want to leave y'all in, in an encouraging word. Um, many of y'all know uh, Matt Rogers. Um, he's a member of this church and he's been um, battling COVID. And it's really been, um, been a pretty difficult situation. And uh, many know him, many have been praying for him. Um, our whole community kind of has been rallying around this. And um, he actually just got transferred to um, the, the Mayo Clinic and they're hoping to be able to, to figure some things out and obviously some incredible care there. And so we're gonna continue to pray for him. But um, a couple of days ago, um, my wife, Natalie, was um, uh, going, taking my daughter to bed, Harper. Um, Harper's four, um, almost five now. Um, and they were praying for Matt and, they were, and she was sharing with um, Harper about kind of what was going on with Matt. And she said, you know, well, what's wrong? And she's like, well, he's, he's got the virus and he's just really struggling and we just really need to, to pray for him. And she goes, well, I mean, is he, is he gonna get better? And she said, well, that's the reason we're gonna pray is we need Jesus to intervene. We need Jesus to, to heal him because right now the doctors, they're struggling. So that's why we're gonna ask Jesus. And here's what Harper, Harper said. She said, well, she thought about it for a moment. She said, well, Jesus is a good Jesus and he can do anything he wants. And Natalie was just like, you know what, Harper, you are absolutely right. And she came in um, to our bedroom, Natalie did, and told me that story. And I just said, man, what would it look like if we actually believed that? And she says, well, I mean, we do believe that. I said, I, I know we believe that. I said, but to have that type of conviction, right? When we thought about God and we thought about Jesus, we we're like, he can do anything he wants. Because for Harper, Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is a good Jesus. That's my encouragement for you today. Jesus is a good Jesus. He can do anything he wants. He can do incredible things through each one of you. And I want us to be encouraged by that. I want us to live with that type of conviction that we don't just know that Jesus is good here. We just don't know that Jesus is capable of anything here, but we know it here as well. And that we have that same type of conviction, that same type of motivation. And that's what's gonna carry, out of the, carry us out of this building here today is that we can be that bold and that confident that Jesus is gonna do the things that he says he's gonna do. And he wants to use you in that process to be able to engage to other people. So until every person knows it's gonna happen by each one of us, being intentional and engaging with the people we come in contact with. And I hope that y'all take that and you will begin to apply that to your life. I wanna pray for us. Um, and then JC is gonna come out and he's just got um, a, a closing thing to share with you. Um, so let's pray. Father, we just love you, God. We thank you for um, just the opportunity yet again, just to open your word. God, I pray that it was challenging. It was convicting. God, I pray, I, I, I realize every time that I, preach out of your word, God, how much I have to grow, how much I have to learn. And God, I believe preaching a message is one of the most convicting and most encouraging things that you can do in your faith because it reveals things about yourself, but it just allows us to spend time with you. I encourage every person in this room, prepare a message from time to time, look at your word and figure out if I had to share this with somebody else, what would I say? God, I pray that we can be intentional with each person we come in contact with, God, and that we can begin to relate to them, find common ground so we can be as effective as possible at sharing our faith with others. So Father, we just love you. Thank you for this opportunity. We'll lift all this up in your son's name. Amen.